Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Open up your Bibles then with me, please, to Romans, the third chapter. If you remember what we're talking about, we're, I haven't forgotten, have you? We're talking about faith. And actually, we're talking about understanding faith. This is the second lesson. It's the fifth lesson in our faith, I believe, series altogether. We gave three on, is that right? Three on the other uh, subject of faith. But this is now understanding faith. This is the second lesson on understanding faith. And we're going to just stick around faith for a while, hang around it, talk about it, live in it, learn how it works, walk in it. Because faith, we said, is to us in this covenant what works were to the, to the older, the Abrahamic covenant. So faith is very important. It gives us access to the very grace of God. In Romans, the third chapter, verse 27, Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Faith is a law. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We approach it reverently. We approach it humbly. And Father God, I thank you that the greater one that is within shall bring forth your word in life, light, and love, and cause it to affect growth in the hearts of the hearer. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Now remember... We said that the law of faith, faith is a law. It is a spiritual law. It is a supernatural law. Faith is a supernatural law. If you have not written that down, write it in your Bible right there. Romans 3.27. The law of faith. The law of faith. I think if, if I said something like the law of gravity, then you might understand. See, because for some reason we just get so caught up in the natural things... We, we could even study to find out how natural things work and study the, the laws that pertain to gravity and study the laws that pertain to electricity, so on and so forth, and we could learn and uh, understand how they work. But when it comes to supernatural things, it seems like just, I don't know, people just don't understand how they work for some reason. But that's why we're here to teach. Isn't that right? When they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about over there in the sixth chapter of Mark, in his own hometown, he went about teaching in their synagogues and preaching so that they could understand. Well, put it down like this. There are natural laws and there are supernatural laws. There are natural laws and there are supernatural laws. Of course, we know that all natural laws were or came from the supernatural. God put everything in motion. He did it all himself. He didn't need you or me to put his laws in operation. He didn't need you or me to put supernatural law or natural laws in operation. He did it by himself. But we know that when the fall of man came, them, them natural laws uh, took on not only a good effect, but it took on a bad effect. Uh, so you got supernatural laws, you got natural laws. If natural laws are obeyed and used for the right purpose, then they will be used to benefit mankind. But the same natural law that's used to benefit mankind can also be used for the detriment of mankind. Isn't that right? That's true. Uh, you take, for example, the law of gravity. We know that that's a, that's a natural law. We know that, you know, you throw a ball up in the air, it comes down. The purpose of the, of the not only to hold the solar system and hold the, 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 the seas where they're at and keep, keep the waters from coming, uh, you know, over the earth and drowning every one of us. And, you know, you saw back there in the time of Noah that if God wanted to and suspend them laws, what would happen to this earth? What would happen to them, to this earth? Just like in the days of Noah. Everybody would be dead. Isn't that right? But he put these laws into motion. 
And uh, the only time that he alters them laws is when it's uh, of necessity to bless mankind or, or to humanity. Let's say a working of a miracle or something like that. There's a suspension of the natural law. But let's say the law of gravity. That's a law that was set in motion by God. We know that. We know the purpose of it. It's a good purpose. As a matter of fact, if you, if you and I were, didn't have the law of gravity, we might be standing on our heads. But I thank God I'm standing on my feet, not on my head, aren't, aren't you? Amen. I thank the Lord that my car rides on its wheels, not on the top, you know, on the roof. So we see that we could benefit from these natural laws and thank God for it. Well, let's say you're up here fixing this here roof. And, uh, you know, the natural law is keeping you up on that roof. But if you violated that law, if uh, you tripped and fell and you fell off the roof, you can fall down and get hurt. Isn't that right? Well, that law wasn't designed so that you can fall off this roof and get hurt. But there wasn't anything under you. So you fell and you got hurt. Now you've got to use the law of faith to get healed. But my point is this. Even though you have the natural law, let's say the law of gravity... That law can be used for the benefit of mankind. It can be used for the detriment of mankind. Isn't that right? Now, I don't know about you, but I've never really studied and did an in-depth study about the law of gravity. Have you? You know, I've never, but I enjoy it. I enjoy the benefits of it. I enjoy walking around on my two feet, not floating up in, you know, in outer space, etc., etc. Well, you've got the law of electricity. There are laws that govern the use of electricity. We know that. But there's also laws... Um, well, let's say in the, the, the use of electricity. You've got an outlet over here. Now, uh, we've got electrons, we've got protons, and everybody who's ever... I'm not an electrical engineer, but if you studied electricity and you become an electrical engineer, you have the knowledge of electricity, you know how it works, you know how it operates. Well, most people don't know how it works, most people don't know how it operates. But if the young ladies want to get their hair curlers warmed up in the morning, they don't just get up there, open up their book and start studying to find out how electricity works. They just get the plug and they just plug it right in. You see? And if you get a short circuit in it or something like that, they don't go to any book. They just say, hey, honey, go over there and fix that plug. <laughs> Isn't that right? Well, you know, we have an ever-present source of power, of electricity, electrical power, you know, to, to, for the benefit of mankind. Now, I don't know about you, but, I, you know, if you get up in the morning and you like to have bacon and eggs and if you like to have toast and so on and so forth, well, you just plug that, you know, toaster right in there to the electrical outlet and you've got your... Toast, you know, and so on and so forth. Well, it can be used for the benefit of mankind. I don't like to freeze in the wintertime. And thank God we've got electric heat. We've got gas heat. In other words, we've got a lot of laws that are in the natural world that are used to benefit mankind. But them laws, if they're violated or misused, they can be used also to destroy mankind. The same uh, elect electrical current, electrical power that was used to make your toast in the morning burn somebody ho somebody's house down last week. Why? Well, there was a violation of that law. As long as it was working properly, you could be benefited from it. Isn't that right? But if it was misused, well, as a matter of fact, I have a, I remember myself. I, I, I don't know much, like I said, I didn't know much about electricity. But uh, I just figured, well, I could do anything. I wouldn't even save that, but I just figured I'd, I'd do it. I'd at least attempt it. And uh, that's when we weren't married and we were just dating. And I remember going up into a, you know, where she stayed, I went up into the, to fix the outlet, which was above the sink. And I figured, well, I'll just get a butter knife. <laughs> you know, and, uh, well, I, I, knew, I knew what it could do, but I figured, well, I just won't let the wires touch. You know, of course. And I didn't turn off the electrical power, of course. Well, I don't think I need to tell you anymore. <laughs> if anybody knows anything about electricity... But it almost knocked me off the chair. 
that I was standing on. Now, it wasn't meant to do that. It wasn't meant to make me almost fall down and, you know, get hurt or, or electrocute myself and, you know, so on and so forth, make your hair stand up on end, you know. It wasn't meant to do that. But you see, if I violate that law, what happened? You're not supposed to work like that. You're supposed to turn it off. Now, sometimes, you know, since then I've done it without turning it off, and you could do it without. But if you don't have any knowledge of it, I suggest turn it off, then go and fix it, then turn it back on. Isn't that right? But you've got natural laws. You've got laws that, like I say, that, that apply to electricity. You've got protons and electrons. They've got to work together. They've got to go through cycle. They've got to make a cycle. And, and as long as everything is working together, you could stick a plug inside of that outlet and you can get your cassette to work. You can get your radio work. You can get your hair curlers to work. Everything. You can just get anything to work that you need to work as long as you are obeying the laws that pertain to electricity. You'll have an ever, like I said, flowing source of power right there. To work on your behalf. Well, I don't know about you, but we've got an ever-present source of power. And it's not electricity. I said it's not electricity. Remember within the fifth chapter of Luke's gospel? Jesus, as, he, as his custom was, was about to teach and to preach. And they came from every quarter. They came from Judeans. They came from everywhere. Jerusalem, the doctors of the law, they all came out. And the Bible says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal. Well, I could say it just like this. The power of electricity is present to meet your need. You want some toast? Plug it in. You want your hair curlers to get warm? Plug it in. Isn't that right? And as long as it's in operation, now if there wasn't anything behind that wall, and it wasn't, you know, connected up to this proper source, of course, it wouldn't be any good. But as long as the laws that govern the flow of electricity are in order, I don't care how many times you plug it in, it's going to work. Unless there's a violation of that law. Now, Jesus is our ever-present source of power to the Father God. Isn't that right? But, we have got to learn how to tap into that power. I could say to you right now, as we sit here and stand, the power of the Lord is present to save, to heal, to deliver, to set free, to meet your financial needs. The power of the Lord is present. It's present. It's here right now. I mean, in a mighty way. I don't care whether you see it or not. It's here. And if you understand how the law of faith works, beloved, and you're about to learn, you are going to have access. I call it the grace of God. That source of power that you have, that source of power that's, that's ever-present, not only to heal. Jesus, the, the Word says it was present to heal. But God, God's grace does more than just heal. God's grace will meet any and every need that you may have. Any and every need that you may have. The idea, the key, is to tap into that source of power. How? By the law of faith. Go to Romans, the 10th chapter. Now, there's something that I think you need to know. There are, are laws that govern faith 
There are forces, spiritual forces, just like the components I said of electricity. You've got electrons and protons. You've got positrons and electrons working together, so on and so forth. Well, you've got spiritual forces. You've got the force, the supernatural force of love. You've got the supernatural force of faith. These are spiritual forces working together. But when they're properly working together, and the reason why the two, you're going to see the two forces are love and faith. Someone says, well, I thought it was faith and patience that got us the promise. Yeah, but did you forget that love endures long and is what? When you say love, when you use the word love, when you use that phrase or terminology, the divine love of God, you're talking about all that's inherent in it. Love does endure long. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, so on and so forth. And you know the, the chapter there. So when you talk about the supernatural force of love, you're talking about all these things. Love and faith working together, or let's say, let's say it like this, love and faith worked together to supply you and me with an ever-present source of power, or let's say God's grace, to use in any time of your need. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You say, how did they work together? Well, it was the, the force of love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Isn't that right? Okay. And the force of faith. Let me say it like this. God had the faith to save you and me. He had the faith to recreate us. He had the faith to cause this plan all to work. Well, it proves it because He did. He did do it. Isn't that right? He had the faith to do it. But let me say this. He didn't have to do it. Even though he had the faith to do it, he didn't have to do it. You know over there in Galatians, the fifth chapter and the sixth verse where it says, Faith which worketh or is energized by love. It was the love he had for you that caused him to do it. The motivating force behind your faith should be what? Okay. Your electrons, protons... You get faith and love working together. All right? In the new birth, really, they already did work together. Faith and love worked together so that you and I could be redeemed. Isn't that right? Okay. God so loved the world. And we'll see this here as we go on a little bit. And God's faith, which was the faith of the operation of God that raised Jesus up from the dead. It was the source of... The power of faith and love working together that created redemption. Now, he had the faith to do it, as I said. But it was love, the love that he had, that caused him to do it. In the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, we want to see something here about the law of faith. We'll go on. We'll get back to this in a minute. The law of faith. Let's start with verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from heaven, from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the deep. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Let's just stop right there. I'm not going to read the rest of it. Let me make this comment. Matter of fact, you should know this or write it down. The law of faith is a supernatural law. The law of faith is a supernatural law composed of spiritual forces, composed of spiritual forces, 
working together with the Word of God, the Spirit of man. Are you ready for this last one? And the mouth of man. If you go back to the first act of faith and love, we go all the way back, actually all the way back to the beginning. God, when He saved us, it was the love that He had for us that caused His faith to work for us so that you and I can have redemption. But it was the word that He spoke. It was His Spirit, the Spirit of God that did the work. Isn't that right? Who raised up Jesus from the dead? The Spirit of God raised up Jesus from the dead. Alright, it was the Spirit of God. It was the Word that He spoke. So the Word of God, the Spirit of God, through the mouth of God, working together, created what we call the flaw of faith or the force of faith, whatever you want to say. Whichever term, I'm not going to get, like I said, technical on these things. I want you to understand that faith is a law. God believed in his heart. All right? He spoke it with his mouth. He set it in motion. He said that it would be. His love was, it energized his faith. His love caused the faith to work or to go into operation. All right. All that working together created redemption for you and for me. There is a law behind that. It's called the law of faith. But what Paul did over here, he was showing you and he was showing me that not only does it work for God, but it works for you and it works for me. He was taking it from that plane and putting it on this plane. Actually, he lift, God lifted us up to His level, gave us the same kind of faith, and showed us how to use it. You may enjoy the benefits of electricity without understanding how to use it, but, beloved, you, won't, you will not enjoy the benefits of the power of God without knowing how to use it. That's why he said, make disciples out of all nations. Teach them my word. Preach them. That's why Jesus had to come. You see, the, the thing that was wrong with the law, it could not get us into the grace of God. We've got to understand that. Works could not get us into the grace. That was not the law that would get us into grace. But when faith came, we had access to the grace of God. Before you had electrical power, you had no access to that power. Although it, is, it existed long before it was ever discovered. Isn't that right? All right. Let's get out. I'll tell you what. Let's get out of that old covenant. Let's get all the good out of it and put it in the new covenant. Let's live in a new covenant. Everywhere I go and preach about the grace of God, the love of God, what God's will is for us in our lives, I hear people say, yeah, but God doesn't want... You don't know what it happened way back there in Job's time. You don't know what happened way back there in Isaiah. You don't know about all, all these Old Testament things. Listen, I love the Old Testament. How many of you here work and got a new contract this year? Or last year? Or sometime in the last couple of years. Usually it's like three years. Do you go back and live by the standards of the old contract? Or do you live by the standards of the new contract? You take all the good out of the old and you put it inside the new and say, This is our contract. This is what I live by. Christians, it's time we live in the new contract. In the new covenant. Live by the grace of God. Live in the power of the grace of God. 
that's been given to us through Jesus Christ our Lord and learn how to have access into that power. That electrical power won't do you a bit of good until you go in and tap into it. Isn't that right? Well, I'll tell you, you've got an ever-present source of power. It's resident within you. It's resident in this place right here, right now. And if you could just learn how to tap into it, you're going to have yourself all lit up for God. Oh, I mean that. Oh, glory to God. It'll drive out anything out of your body. It'll heal your sense of freedom. It'll do anything you need. I think it's time we learn how to get into that. Someone said, well, you know, I've been studying prophecy. I've been studying... Now, don't get me. I'm not saying anything against prophecy. I've spent all these years studying. And I know... I'm not saying this to be... Like I said, I don't say anything to be coming against anybody. I think every subject of the Bible we could study. But there are those that are more important. Don't major in the minors. Do you know I don't care what you think about when the rapture's coming? And if you ask me what I think, I'll just tell you what I think. Or I'll tell you what I know. I'm going in it. And I won't have to say feet don't fail me now because they'll just go. I'm going in it. But what do you feel? I'm going in it. What do you know about the rapture? I can give you theory after theory after theory after theory after theory. What do you know about Revelation? I can give you theory after theory after theory. And this one contradicts this one and this one contradicts this one. And he's a little bit different this way and he says this way. But this one says this and that one says that. You know what I say about all that? God's not the author of confusion. It's going to happen, beloved. You know how it's going to happen? The way God knows it's going to happen. You know what you're to do now? Walk in love and faith. And when we get our eyes on the major and not the minor things. That's not our dispensation anyhow. I'm not concerned about it. I'll tell you what I know. I said I know. I'm going in it. I know that. And I know if you're born again, spirit-filled, and looking for His coming, you're going in it too. That's what I'm going to say about the rapture. I'm not going to give you my theory. I'm not going to wait down to some area where, you know, well, this one says that. God's not the author of He doesn't want us to be confused. He doesn't want us to be coming against each other. I know the Bible says by His stripes I'm healed. I know that. Get into what you know. Walk in the light of what you know. Study that. Well, I began saying this and I'm going to finish saying it. I know, I, I know more than one fella. More than one person. They spent, oh, dear God, dear God, they just spent time after, all their time in Revelation. Spent all their time there. You saying that's wrong? I didn't say that's wrong. I say it's wrong if you spend all your time there and you don't get in anything else. But yet is bitter towards other people. Doesn't walk in love. Not walking in health because he's not walking in love. I know even some that have actually died because they knew nothing about healing, knew nothing about faith, Knew nothing about the major things that are taught to us. Knew nothing about walking in the divine love of God. They were trying to live in another dispensation. When, when the whole picture focuses on Israel, that's another dispensation. Let God be God. I don't care if you're here for part of it. I don't care what. I know this. I am to live in my dispensation. I am to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am to take the power of God and get people saved, delivered, healed, and set free right now while I'm here on this earth. That is my responsibility. That is your responsibility. When the picture draws over there, then let God be God over there. And let Him do what He's going to do over there. 
But live in your dispensation. I'm living in my dispensation. Faith is the plug into the supernatural power of God. It came, Galatians the third chapter. Matter of fact, go there. Hold your place here. We'll go back to it. Go there. It came with this dispensation. And if you don't understand it, you say, but it's so hard to understand. Well, listen, if anybody ever studied to be an electrician, I'm sure he had to go through a lot of studying, in-depth study. If anybody wanted to be an electrical engineer, I'm sure he had to go through a lot of training. But once he got through all the training, he knew the business, he knew the job, he can do it, he can handle it. I don't know what your profession is. You may be an insurance salesman. I know that if anybody here ever had an insurance salesman come to your house and you just sit there and look at all them figures, just a layman, you know, and you just go, oh, yeah, I see. But he just sits there and just rattles them right off. Just, well, he studied that. He understands that. That's his life. That's his profession. He's learned that. He's responsible for that. Now, if you studied it, it would be easy for you. Anything you set your hand to do and you spend time in doing it, you'll learn it. If you have any kind of initiative at all. Right? If you want to know how faith works, beloved, you are going to have to spend your time in faith. You're going to have to put your nose to the ground. You're going to have to stick your face in the Bible. And you're going to have to learn that faith is the answer to receiving from God. And let's show you right here by this, these scriptures right here. Third chapter of Galatians. Verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But there was no law back there that could give life. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith, but after that faith is come. Say that with me. Faith is come. It's here now. It's available to us. See? That's all right. Say it. It's available to us. If you're missing out on... I, heard, I have people tell me, why do you preach so much on faith? If you're missing out on faith, beloved, you have missed out what it took God 4,000 years to bring. It took Him 4,000 years to get you to a place that you could believe by faith for righteousness and be given life. But before faith came, you could not receive life. There was no law, the law of sin and death. There was no law that would give eternal life. There was no law that would produce righteousness. There was no law like the law of electricity that would produce that kind of power to heal your body and deliver you and set you free. Of course, if you're obedient, you can get it that way. You had a limited righteousness by the law. But it could not produce it in your spirit. But, beloved, the law of faith came. And when it did, it didn't move God off His throne. He stayed there. He sent the Son. He raised them up. And the law is still working. But now instead of just working upon His throne, it's working in the power of the Spirit. 
He was dripping with the very presence of the Almighty God. Now you want to meet the needs of humanity? Oh, it's a cinch. Because you're not doing it now. God has come from your innermost being into the outermost. And when you lay those hands on somebody, beloved, it's laying Jesus' hands on somebody. Now, let's get back to our study here. Tenth chapter of Romans. Are you ready for it? This is the law. The law of faith. This is the law. It works. You can't tell. You can't tell an electrician that if he does the right things that, that you won't get electrical power out of that outlet. You can't tell him that. He said, there's something wrong with you. Don't you understand that? You can't tell somebody knows how to operate the, the laws of lift and get inside a jet and tell him that because of the law of gravity, he can't fly. They said that at one time, man couldn't fly, but man, through his own imagination, purposed to do what he wanted to do and he did it. Isn't that right? Okay, listen. You can't tell that person that electrical power will not work if all the laws are working. You cannot tell somebody who knows how faith works that if you follow the guidelines and the rules that govern the law of faith and you put it into operation, you can't tell that person that you didn't get what you needed. That's ridiculous. That's just as ridiculous as you putting in that plug in that outlet and say, it doesn't work. Sure it works if you plug into it. If you plug into the very grace of God, I'll show you how it works. Anybody here not saved? How many of you would guarantee that if they came with a repentant heart, got on their knees before the throne of God and said, I, Father God, I repent in Jesus' name. I come to you in Jesus' name. I want to tell you what's happening right then. The law of faith is beginning to go into operation. They're beginning to plug into the powerhouse, the source of all life, the source of eternal life. And when they receive Jesus Christ into their heart and confess Him as the Lord of their life, boom, they're born again. You going to tell me that doesn't work? You can't tell me that for a second. I say this to you. You want healed in your body? You believe in your heart that He is your healer. Look at what it says here. Let's write some of these things down. 10th chapter. Verse 7. He starts out by saying, What saith it? What saith what? What saith what? What saith it? Well, what saith what? You know, that bothered me. I always read that, and I never... Did, how many of you ever just read over it? But what saith it? The word is not even that hard. I used to quote that thing. But what saith what? What saith the law of faith? Look, look at what it says back here in verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart. It says not. Okay, but what saith it? What saith what? The righteousness of faith. What saith the righteousness of faith? Well, he goes on to tell you what it says. The word is nigh thee. Now remember... We said that God operated by the Word, the Spirit, and speaking. Okay? Jesus being the Word. All right, now listen. The Father spoke. Jesus is the Word. And the Holy Spirit did the work. But what saith it? The Word is nigh thee. Now remember something. Are you ready for this? 
Don't just say the word, that Bible. You know who the word is? Oh, when you get this revelation inside your spirit, the word Jesus is nigh thee. Even in your mouth and in your heart, human being, that if you shall... All right, the word righteousness, which is a faith, then does this. It speaketh and it believeth. Write that down. It speaketh and it believeth. It speaketh and it believeth. Now write this down next to believeth in the heart. It believeth in the heart. This is the law of faith. The law of faith. It speaketh and it believeth. It doesn't say this, but it does say this. It does not say this, but it says this. It does not say who shall bring Christ down from heaven, who shall bring him up from above. It doesn't say that. It says this. Christ is in my heart. Jesus is my Lord. It says this. Okay? And he goes on to explain the law of faith for salvation. Look what he says. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt. If you'll take that plug, that power saw, and plug it inside that outlet, you will have that working for you. If you shall believe in your heart the Lord Jesus, if you believe rather that God raised him from the dead, don't say is he at work, who's going to bring him down from heaven? Don't say who's going to, you know, bring him up from the dead. Dead. But say this, I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. You have put in motion the law of faith. You have reached the righteousness of God. You have tapped into the powerhouse of God. You've tapped into the source of God. You have got a flow of God's divine life flowing down right into your innermost being. The saw starts to buzz. Your spirit man starts to rejoice. What is it about you? Oh, glory to God. I don't know. I went up to that hall the other night. He, he just said, here, say this prayer with me. I, I wanted to. I did. Something happened. I don't want to do what I used to do. I, 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 no one told me not to do it. It's just something happened in me. All right. Because they learn not the law, that, the laws that govern faith, the use of faith. They get saved and that's it, Beloved. I said they get saved and that's it. Then they play church. Oh, isn't this nice? We, oh, we've got such a great God. Yeah, but what does he do? But what does he do? You've got a great God. You have got the creator of the universe inside your spirit. What does he do? Excess baggage. I take him to work with me. I have a terrible time at work. Kids get attacked with sickness and disease. Take him to the doctor. I'm not knocking doctors. Don't say that. I'm saying you've got a powerhouse in you. You've got a God that created this human body. And if we, we were tapping into that source and that power, it would drive it out of your kids and drive it out of your body also. I'll tell you what, Spirit of God is getting on me. 
He's getting on me to preach it. And he's getting on me to say that he wants miracles taking place in the lives of his people because miracles propagate the gospel. Jesus Christ. Who's God I've got something, beloved? Oh, something came into me five years ago and it's not left. I guarantee you it's getting stronger and more powerful. I said this way back then and the Lord reminded me. He said, you told me way back when you got saved, you'll not doubt my word. You told me way back then that if God is that great and God is that big and He's on my side, that's going to make me be able to do anything that He tells me I can do. I'm not deviating from it. I'm not going to be satisfied till I begin to see blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped. I see arms and legs grow out. I see new parts of bodies being put on, hearts being healed and restored to health until I see all what the glory that God has for you and I. I don't want to see it up there. It's nothing being up there. Glory to God, I want to see it right here. If He is a miracle, powerful God that we declare that He is, let Him be God. Let him do it. Now, I'm not getting into... I'm not getting into positive confession. I am not getting into Christian science. I'm not getting into any of your metaphysical mind science religions at all. I am giving to you... Those are on the side of the ditch. You got those on that side of the ditch? And I said, you got those on this side of the ditch? It says, oh, these people believe in this confession business. Beloved, you're going to hear something about confession business. Only when it comes out of your mouth, it's going to bring glory down. Not going to walk around just saying, I got a Cadillac. <laughs> that's right. You know, that's disgraceful to the kingdom of God. And you're going to learn how to appropriate these laws of faith correctly. I thank God for wisdom. You know, wisdom is the ability to use knowledge that you have. People receive knowledge, but they don't have any wisdom to use it. We don't use God's word just for stupid things. I have never used God's word for stupid things. You say, is a Cadillac stupid things? If you want a Cadillac, you can believe God for a Cadillac. I didn't say that. Most of you don't need a Cadillac. I don't need a Cadillac. I can get around in any kind of car. doesn't matter to me. doesn't matter to you. I didn't say you couldn't have one if you wanted one. But when you start putting Cadillacs and, and all these other things above saving of souls and being healed in your body and all the things that you growing up spiritually, then something's wrong. I'm saying is they got a little bit of knowledge and they start running off. And they didn't learn how to appropriate the laws that govern faith. I'm talking about getting the Word of God, hiding it in your heart, speaking the truth in love from your heart and from your mouth. There's a confession of your heart. There's a confession of your lips. And when the confession of your lips perfectly harmonizes with the confession of your heart and these two confirm the Word of God, you have got yourself an ever-flowing source of divine, almighty power of God's grace that will meet every need inside your life. But if you just got yourself a big confession, then you're just like them Jews. He said, they honored me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And people have taken what we call the faith walk or faith message, whatever, I don't call it that, whatever you want to call it. They have taken that and they start walking off and saying all these stupid things. And then you've got genuine, good-hearted pastors from churches that maybe have not learned how faith works. And they come to these churches and they get off in the deep end and they get out there. And just like I said, you've got laws that govern electricity. You could, they could be used for your benefit. They can be used for your detriment. 
You've got laws that govern the use of faith. If you put them laws into motion, it'll be used for your benefit. But if you do misuse the law of faith, it'll be used for your detriment. And they've gone out and got their kids killed. They've gone out and had this happen to them. They've gone out and that happened to them. They're in the bankruptcy. They did this. They got bill collectors. They got that. And all these things are giving faith a bad name. But, beloved, I'm not going to be scared out because of that side of the ditch. I'm not going to be scared out because of the other side of the ditch. I'm going to walk down the straight and narrow. I'm going to just look up into heaven and speak the word from my heart and watch the power and the glory of God work in my life every day of it. Blessed be God. I'm going to walk in the wisdom of God and know that He is right by my side. The number one thing that this law of faith is to do for you is to promote your spiritual development. Not to get you a car. Not to get you a house. It's to promote your spiritual development. That's why he said this. He gave this here, this here law, uh, this law of faith. As a matter of fact, let's go to Mark 11. Uh, 22. That he's agreeing with Jesus. All people have not put their nose to the grind, so to speak, on these scriptures. This, this woman's tent is a culmination of what he's saying in the first ten chapters, showing you how to replace the law of works with the law of faith to show you how to get the righteousness, which is of God, available in your life. It is what it's all about. It's what everything has, else has led up to when the law was done away. When everybody taught us, of Jesus, when the schoolmaster did his part and taught us, he says, now it has come. The Jews rejected it. The Gentiles rejoiced. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I know how it works. Faith. Jesus. Paul was using it for salvation to show you how to get saved. But look at what Jesus did. Mark eleven twenty two. He said, this faith is available one translation says, have the faith of God. One says, or one says, have faith in God. One says, have the faith of God. One says, has the God kind of faith. We have them all. I have faith in God. I've got faith, the faith of God. I've got the God kind of faith. Now, Jesus, remember we said, Paul said that faith speaks and faith believes. The righteousness which is a faith speaks and the righteousness which is a faith believes in the heart. Those two things. Understand that. Jesus said it like this in Mark 11. 23 and 24. For verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain. It says. Write that down. Number one, it says. And shall not doubt in his heart. And put two. Doubts not in its heart. Spirit. 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 I got to get into this. I got to get into the spirit. What the spirit is. People are trying to believe God from their intellect. From their head. It doesn't work up there. You're to trust the Lord with all your. And lean not on your own. I like to say it like this. I think it gets, it gets across clear. Believe God with all your spirit and don't lean on your stupid head. That's right. And you think about that, it's true. My stupid head, you know what? It's, it's, the Word of God says, by a stripe you're healed. The voice of my body is saying, ow. My head goes, you can't be healed. I said, what a stupid head. Didn't you know that the Bible says, believe God from your heart, don't rely on your head. Your head's not going to agree with God, see? You've got to let your spirit man do the dictating. Let the spirit gain the control and the ascendancy over your... You know, when you talk like this, someone just stares out in space. What's this guy talking about? <laughs> when you start teaching faith, you're teaching another, another world, beloved. I, I can't make it any simpler sometimes. But there are laws. It's your spirit man is a spirit. Everything that Paul talked about is spirit. Did you know that? 
Listen, the word. Would somebody say a word for me? Somebody say Jesus. Do you see it? Isn't the word spirit? Jesus said the words I speak unto you, they are what? Aren't words spiritual? Okay, spirit in their life. Anybody see my heart? My spirit? With the heart, man, believe it. Do you see my heart? It's spirit. It's spirit. See? The words are spirit. The word is spirit. Jesus said so. The words you speak are spirit and your heart is a spirit. Now get the head out of the way. Get the head out of the way. Get the body out of the way. You appropriate this from your spirit. Now he says over here, it says. Says to not just spiritual death. It says to any mountain. Now think about this. We've gone over it so quickly sometimes we don't think. If there was, there's a mountain. There's a lot of mountains around here. If you were to say to the mountain, be removed. And when I think of it coming out of your spirit. I'm going to show you my childhood days now. Remember that little fella, Vavoon? He used to go around and blowing out mountains by the word. By what he, he would just, it would just blow out a mountain. That's what, I, that's what I see. When it comes out of someone's head, you're just walking around just like, you know, oh, I'd say this mountain, be thy movie, thou cast to the sea, down on his heart, believe those things which says come to pass, whatever, say it. It's in the head. But I, when I see it come out of somebody's heart, I see this real big voice. And the little fellow, just, just a little fellow, just walking around, and he just opens up that mountain, boom, there goes the mountain. All right. When it, if, that's, if you could see in the spirit world, that's how it's got to be. When you speak it out of your innermost being, when you walk up to your child and you say, infection, leave in fever, leave that body in Jesus' name. <laughs> Those words went inside that spirit world and blew a hole right in that infection. Blew that mountain right out of your way. And you wouldn't walk back five minutes later and say, well, now it looked like it didn't work. Well, if you, if you believed it from your heart, beloved, when you said it, you would have known that it worked. If you got a question, you might just go back and start over again because you didn't believe it from your heart. Say that a mountain, any mountain, not just spiritual death, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Don't doubt it in your heart, but believe. What does it believe? This is very important. What does it believe? That those things which he saith, write that down. Number one, it says, Paul said it speaks, same thing. Number two, believes that those things which he saith. Where does he believe that at? Of course, in the heart. What does he believe about those things? If he believes that they will come to pass, what will he have? What he what? Oh, I can't get that across to you enough. He will have whatsoever he saith. Okay. But did you notice that he did not say in that scripture, whosoever will just say to the mountain, be removed, he will have what he says. It doesn't say that. It does not say that. It says if he does not doubt it in his heart, but if he believes from his spirit. May I ask you this? What are the things you say? What are the things you say? Words, statements, sentences, and they are spirit. Don't you say them? All right, listen. Do you think he was telling you what, a, what, a, what you say on January 1st, 1982? 
or what you may have said yesterday. No, he's talking about your vocabulary. He's talking about if you will believe in your words, in your sayings. If you will believe from your heart that when you speak, that will come to pass, you'll have it. That will cut down your vocabulary 90%. 90%. It'll cut down your vocabulary, I mean it, 90, it'll be nothing. If you believe that. I could tell in my own life, not only in my own life, I'm sure your life too. If, if we're taking what Jesus is saying here to heart in our spirit, it would stop every, almost everybody's talking almost instantly. If you really believe from your heart that what you were saying would come to pass. Are you saying that, are you saying to me that I shouldn't say anything unless I believe it's going to come to pass? I said, listen, this is a goal setter. Jesus could not hide the truth from you or from me. Just because maybe 80% of the people that go to college will not get the best out of it, you cannot hide the fact that it's there and it's available for the person that will go and persevere. Isn't that right? Okay. This is the law of faith. Jesus said it. Not me. Not anybody else. Other preachers you've heard of. Jesus said, this is the law of faith. This is a true statement. You have got a goal setter. You, if you set your goals in believing that he meant what he said and said what he meant, then we can control our own life. We can bridle our tongue. We can learn how to appropriate faith in our lives to the degree, starting with 30, 60 to 100 fold, that the words we say will come to pass. He wrote it. He said it works. But unless we believe it and start to act upon it, it will never develop in your life. He didn't say overnight you're going to just start doing that. You're going to develop in it. Matter of fact, there's, we're, we're going to have to close. I'm going to share two scriptures with you. I gave you one in um, Matthew 15. Matter of fact, look, let's look at these two scriptures. I'll close here. I'm not getting near what I want to get in. That's all right. We'll get it tonight. Matthew 15. We're not leaving this subject, by the way, until miracles become ever-present. I don't know about you, but I can't believe we got a, such a great God up there that can't do anything. Do you? I say this. He don't have to change. We do. Let's look at it here. 7th verse of 15th chapter. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and unto me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, underline the next three words. But in vain. But in vain they do worship me. Why? Honor me with their lips, their hearts far from me, but in vain. A lot of people's faith has been in vain because it came out of their mouth but not their heart. Now go to James 1.26. Let's see this. James 1.26. Why can't I get my answer to prayer? Well, look at this. Someone thinks he's writing to non-believers, but let me tell you something, beloved. If I were to stand here and say, if any man among you seem to be religious, am I talking to non-believers? Verse 26, 126. If any man among you, church, seemeth to be religious and does not what? Vattle not his what? His what? His what? This, or but what? But deceiveth his own what? 
If anybody in the body at Midland seemeth to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart with the mouth, with the heart, then that person's religion is in vain they do worship me. I'm not saying this, I'm, I'm saying this for only this purpose. I know a person right now who if God does not intervene very quickly, he is dying from cancer. He is so bad right now that he cannot stand the pain. He wishes to die. It's so bad. But listen to me. Just because, as I said before, you studied all Revelation. As if some people just want to do that for some reason. You study all these, all these things that are, not that they're, they're minor. They're not major in our lives. They're minor, I say. I would have rather spent my life studying faith, and faith, love, and healing so I could be around long enough to go ahead and help people and live out and grow, develop spiritually. But if he doesn't get that supernatural something right now, the area that he needs the grace of God is in vain. Oh, yes. You say, how can you say that, being faith preacher? Because there are laws that govern faith. If your spirit man has not developed to where you know how to use it against sickness and disease, don't wait till you're on your deathbed with a month to live to start to develop it. It's too late. You need a gift of healing working. You need a miracle. I am led by, my, by the Spirit of God right now. Join your hands together. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith, and experience. God bless.